Hello and welcome to the pep talk here with your hosts, Sam and Jason, the two bald frauds talking everything Manchester City, also known as the club that pays refs for completely unrelated games, but not their own. Jason, <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. We, we kind of just both both wake up, so I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm a bit tired. <laughs> I had a little nap and then got your message and just like, oh, no. <laughs> I fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> just just typical typical dad life. Long day, you sit on the couch, and you just cog out, and you go, yep, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, good. It's, it's probably off, you know, in this pod's history. So, what are we, what are we episode 28? And this is probably our first meaningful loss that we'll talk about. On this pod, so we've lost a few games before on this pod. So I think we lost last season. Um, the dead Brighton. robbers at the end. Yeah, it was dead robbers. No, we, was- we, we drew Brighton. I think it was Brentford. Yeah, Brentford. The Brentford loss and and the well, well, points dropped. Right, so we didn't even drop points from the yeah. start of this pod, <laughs> which is crazy to say. But yeah, we basically didn't drop any any meaningful points besides. Brighton and Brentford, which we didn't even talk about much last season anyway, because it was there were such unimportant games in the, in the grand scheme of things that we just we were just talking about the FA Cup final and 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 the Champions League final. So yeah, Wolves and Newcastle basically this pod's now first meaningful you know losses or you know or drop points really. And it's I'm interesting sure we call Newcastle a meaningful game. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really call it a meaningful game. Like, I, I'll tell you, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't really upset that we got knocked out. You know, you'll see my tweets about it. I was just like, yeah, just, just knock us out. Just, just get me out of this competition. I, I was looking at the, the minutes, minutes that we need to play over the next, you know, three to six months or whatever with the club world cup and the super cup, and was like, we don't need these extra games. Just get us out. <laughs> just, get, just get me out. And it could work out because we lost one of the the, the Rodri suspension games to that game. So, I was like, whatever. So, I, I didn't, I, like, I, you know, we'll, we'll fit it into this pod, but, you know, that's basically what we're going to talk about, Newcastle game, right? <laughs> we're just going to end it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we're talking only Newcastle today, nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just switched off the pod. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know. There's not a lot to talk. The way I look at it is like Pep seemed pretty happy that we weren't in the competition anymore. So if Pep doesn't really care about it, then why should we, you know? Yep. Yeah, basically the fact that Holland and <clears throat> I think Foden, no, not, not Foden, Holland and a few other players on the bench didn't even. He didn't even put them on. <laughs> I was just like, okay, he he doesn't care. You know, we're down one nil. He he didn't chase the game. So that that yeah. told me everything that we needed to know about how much he cared about going through this competition. So that's that's basically all we're going to talk about Newcastle. I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. However, yeah. Um the the game after this one, which which has significance because it does lead into you know who we're playing this weekend against Arsenal but we did lose to Wolves um, uh, last weekend and an interesting stat so every time we've I tweeted about this every time we've been knocked out of the League Cup we go on to lose the Premier League game over the weekend 
It's happened for the mm. this, this, this is the third year straight that it's happened. So we got knocked by West Ham, I believe, last season, and then we lost to no, sorry, we lost to South Southampton last season. Southampton. Yeah, and then we and then we lost to Manchester United over the weekend, right after it, and that dodgy decision <laughs> that led to the two one loss. And the year before that, we we it was West Ham, I think, that knocked us. And then we ended up losing to Crystal Palace 2-0. And the year before that, I can't remember, but it, it, I did tweet about it. But basically, three years in a row, this is our third year in a row that we've got knocked out of the League Cup and then we go on to lose the next Premier League game, which is just strange. It's like it's like we lose games in, 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 in batches or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, this one was a special circumstance because... Rodri's not there. I guess let's just jump into it. Um, how? Okay, let me frame it to you this way: If Rodri played, does City win that game? All other things equal. Yes, I think so because I, th- I I've been saying it all season. Rodri basically makes this team tick, and he's the linchpin in midfield for us this season. And without Kevin De Bruyne, you lose a lot of X factorness in that in that midfield. So you take out Rodri as well, and then suddenly you don't have the midfield from last season. So to me, that's a it's a huge change in what makes this city team great. So yes, you take him out and it does change things. Hundred percent. I think we win the game if Rodri's playing. The, the the control, the confidence, the counter attacking from that Wolves are doing all all that complexity changes in the game, and I think we end up winning that game. Yes. So, I don't think we do, honestly. I mean, maybe we get a draw, but, I mean, okay. Obviously, City play better if Rodri's there. I don't think anybody would argue that. But mm. um, there's still the whole team was pretty poor. So, I like, to me, that's not a result of Rodri that the team was poor. Um, I think part of it is, was injuries kind of catching up to City? Because... Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this before, but like playing Walker high and wide to me is more about necessity than anything else because Pep clearly wants somebody to hold the width on that side. Right. And he doesn't want it to be Foden. I I think he actually wants Foden to play centrally. And that's why he's like, no, Foden's not, not being the wide guy on the right hand side. So you have either you either have to play Grealish and Doku, or you have to play Bernardo wide right, and Bernardo was injured, and so in order to hold width on the right hand side, you have to put Kyle Walker there. And when you're playing against teams that are just parked deep in their own box, like Wolves were, you have like you have to stretch the team and. Walker doesn't really give any threat on that right-hand side like a winger would, right? Like, when you see Bernardo over there, like, they have to watch Bernardo because Bernardo can do stuff. Kyle Walker, like, he, he's not really that big of an offensive threat. So they can essentially ignore one half of the field. It doesn't really stretch them out very much. And that's the most important thing that you have to do against the back five. But that yeah. also just in general, like the 
the crispness just wasn't there. And I don't think that all comes down to Rodri. Like, if you look at City's team, that's more than a good enough team to batter Wolves. Yeah, look, I, I, I get what you're saying. And, I, I, and to a certain extent, I agree with you. It's just very hard to try predict how much better we'd be with, with Rodri controlling that midfield again. Because there were some sloppy passes from other players. There was, like, like even Kovacic didn't look crisp in this game. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of just everyone having a bad game or if you have Rodri and then suddenly the, like I said, the complexity and the, and and the, you know, how the team plays just completely changes. It's 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 one of those hard to hard to say. Um, it's hard to say how it would have be- turned out if you know what I mean with him in that midfield. You look at it tactically and 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 whatnot. Like like you said, talking about Walker, but we've had Walker play half high, plenty of games, right? So to me, it's yeah, but more- we we've struggled against back fives when Walker plays high and wide. Like this is true, is Fulham. Yeah, it was yeah, we had we had we, we had to change it at halftime. Time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah look, uh, look, I agree with you. I agree with you on a lot of points there. You know, it's it, and it, it's one of those, it's one of those games as well where you <laughs> when you're watching it, you just go, shit, man. We could play another <laughs> another three hours and we probably wouldn't score. You know, and if you look at the only goal that we did score in this game was an absolute worldie by Alvarez. So it did feel like that. I'm not sure how much it would have changed. With Rodri, you you kind of are convincing me that maybe without even even maybe even with Rodri, we would have struggled to score like to do how we yeah how we do usually play. But it was just an overall sloppy game in my mind as well. Yeah, I'm sure like we obviously would have played better with Rodri. I I wouldn't argue that, but like Rodri not being there doesn't excuse Kovacic misplacing simple passes. You know what I mean, like. Yeah, it's not like Kovacic all of a sudden forgets to play football when Rodri's next to, not next to him. So, I just think we would have been better in transitions and um, defensive solidity. So, like, you know, we conceded two goals. Uh, it's been a long while since we've conceded two goals in the league in one game. You so I mean? that's kind of the other thing is if you look at like I I rewatched the game because it felt like. There were just tons of counterattacks and they were just getting after us. They really weren't. Like, yeah. They had like two, three chances and they took two of them. Yeah. Like, it that's was all, that's all it was. Like, they, yeah. They really had very little opportunities to do anything. Yeah. If you look at the, look at the stats, they've only had three shots. <laughs> but even like expected threat the- was like next to nothing. Like, they, yeah. It- they sat back. They sat deep. They sat deep playing. In that in that back five, which gave us a lot of issues, I'd say, and we had a lot of plays have poor games, I'd say. Yeah, we just we just couldn't create space for ourselves, and that's kind of the that's the name of the game when you're playing against the back five is you need to stretch them and you need to create space. Like you need to pull somebody out of position and create some space somewhere, and we just couldn't do it. For both reasons, you know, maybe partially tactically, but also, I, I just think we were most of the guys were pretty poor on the day. Yeah, I will ask you, like that Huang second yellow. That like that's 
obvious second yellow, isn't it? Obvious, obvious second yellow. But you know, we're not. We didn't. We didn't pay um, the PGM all enough, and maybe we should send more refs to the United Arab, Arab Emirates, and maybe we should pay them more, and that way, we, you know, we'd get our calls correct in our games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> what what are you doing here, guys? Just why why, why are we paying? Yeah, well, why are we paying refs to ruin Liverpool games when we can fix our own games? Like, come on, yeah. it's common sense. If you're man. listen. If you're if you're gonna pay off the refs, like we are clearly, right? Do it right. Just, just <laughs> yeah, just go all in on it. Like Michael Oliver needs to be on a massive yacht on the Thames. Is what he needs to do. Anyways, <laughs> those conspiracies um, were wild. By the way, absolutely wild. I, I, I when I first seen it, it was actually I seen it on Reddit, and there was a thread on. Reddit soccer's main page, which is one of the biggest subreddits um, on, on Reddit. It's like about 5 million users. And one of the top posts was a post about that, you know, the refs went to the United Arab Emirates. And literally every post in there was just like agreeing that something dodgy is going on. And the fact that those refs were in, in the UAE meant just like, Correlated to Manchester City's owners paying them under the table so they can ruin Liverpool's games. I'm just like, guys, you guys are going to be kidding me. That's like, that's a very long stretch in terms of conspiracy theories. <laughs> it's just wild, man. Absolutely wild. Ugh. I have a, a friend of mine is a journalist and I texted him and was just like, do you see the stuff that's being pushed? <laughs> And he's like, dude, it's just Twitter, like idiots, you know. And I, and then I see Adam Crafton. Yeah, it it, it, it went beyond the the idiots. That's that's, that's the and, problem. And I'm like, wait a second, this isn't just Twitter because I'm gonna read you Crafton's. Um, there, there was a few journalists that that tweeted. So there was Paul Joyce, there was Melissa Reddy. Well, I think Adam Paul Crafton Joyce. Paul Joyce's article, though, was it was more about like actual travel times. Like he he didn't he, he like, did tweet at least his, credit to him. He didn't suggest yeah. his his tweet though was his tweet about it was very short and just like it left things open to conspiracy. Basically, yeah. Well, Do you know what I mean? Adam, that's the same thing with Adam, Adam did, right? <laughs> well, no, Adam. Adam, I think, just blatantly pushed it himself so <laughs> this was adams he said you can't have premier league referees well compensated freelancing in competitions where there are links to states commonly perceived to own premier league clubs this is blindingly obvious fodder for conspiracies and astonishing whoever signed off can't see that so he's saying this is fodder for conspiracies yeah. as he's pushing the conspiracy, conspiracy. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> yeah, look. Yeah. It, yeah, fodder for conspiracies like the one you're suggesting. Basically, yeah. Look, people are really like, like those, the people that are pushing that are very naive. Like, come on, man. Oh, it's not naive. It's either, uh, to me, you're just stupid, really. Like, you're, you're just dumb. Like, there's yeah, no logic in it at all. It's like, do you guys just think that the UAE government is just sitting there 
bringing people in and, and the Football Federation there is bringing people in just just to help Manchester City in the Premier League. Like, guys, come on. <laughs> I don't think it's that big, man. Like, <laughs> they're good enough it's, without helping, needing the refs. Help. Of that and, like, there's, there's just no... There, there's no like logic in it at all. It's like, the, oh, the there lo- was the one lo- bad call in a completely unrelated game, so it yeah. must be City, right? And, and like, if you, and yeah, and if you listen to the tapes that got released, it, honestly, it makes every single person that suggests that a conspiracy absolute mugs. That's what it makes them uh, look like. Yeah, well, you what exactly the- did they think was going to get released? Like, oh no, Sheikh Mansour told us to. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, answer. Not call this. <laughs> call, yeah, call, open, put a message in another ten thousand pounds to make this call not go through. <laughs> it's absolutely, honestly, it was absolutely. I, when I was reading it over over the week, <laughs> it was just a laugh the whole time. It was like, like this is this is like we've seen some crazy conspiracies and some BS, but this takes the cake for me. This just like went <laughs> overboard. <laughs> Just a word of advice to anyone who believes these giant conspiracies. I think (laughs) many of you clearly underestimate um, levels of incompetence of people. Exactly. Most of these things that you think are actual conspiracies are just incompetence. And that's what it is. Like, I think for, for whatever reason... And I guess this is more of a philosophical argument, but like for whatever reason, people that choose to believe wild conspiracies like seem to think that the people involved in these just have everything figured out and are perfect in every way. And they're like, <laughs> like they're like, you know, little puppeteers, like pulling strings. Right. And in reality, it's like, no, these people are idiots. <laughs> and that's yeah, basically basically and like. Why can't this stuff be explained like you'd like because of incompetence? And it's really what it is. So exactly. I feel exactly. like I don't like talking about ref decisions. I'm just they're just you know they're just humans. They're gonna make like errors. They're are, gonna, you know. Yeah, this, they're just gonna make errors. And yeah, look, and that's the other thing as well. Like you actually think about it. Why would Man City, right, or Man City's owner risk? Paying three different referees under the table to help sort out other teams' results. Why would they risk that? But not their own. But not their not own. Ex- exactly right. right? Like- so, so specifically, go screw over Liverpool Football Club. Don't worry about our own games. Just go screw over. Yeah, and, and one of the conspiracy theories I heard, by the way, tied to this is like, yeah, of course they'd do that because it would be too obvious if you do if they do their own games. And like fully convince themselves that this is this is why they've done it this way. And it's like you're a fucking idiot. Shut up. <laughs> Do you want that's it? just the dumbest thing ever? That means you need to pay three separate referees, and that means you need to make sure these three three separate referees are gonna stay silent for the rest of their lives about yeah. this. Why listen, would they do that? Why? <laughs> listen, for those who complain about the refereeing in England, I understand it, right? But at the yep. same time, we used to have like three missed offsides a week before VAR. So there's also that. And if you really want to talk about incompetent refereeing decisions, listen to this. So 
I went to the FC Cincinnati game a couple days ago. Uh, my company had some tickets, and so I got tickets to the game. I go sometimes; they're pretty fun, right? Like it's the MLS; it's obviously not the <laughs> Premier League, but there's it's they're still fun to go to. And FC Cincinnati isn't they uh, they won the regular season, so like they essentially like won the league, right? And so I go to the game; it's a dead rubber, but whatever. Free tickets and free food, and I've never like the refereeing was so poor. I've never seen anything like it. Like there was a clear handball. Like FC Cincinnati had the ball, they cross the ball, clear as day handball. Like I'm I'm way up and I can see it clear as day. The ref decides not to call the handball. Thirty <laughs> seconds later. And they're playing New York Red Bulls, too, which is funny because we played Leipzig the same day. But um, 30 seconds later, New York Red Bull goes down to the other side of the field and scores a goal. And then the ref, after the goal is scored, 30 seconds after this missed call, decides he wants to go to VAR, rules the penalty kick. So he takes off the goal for New York Red Bulls and rules the penalty kick. So... And at the time, FC Cincinnati were down 2-0. So they were going to be down 3-0. The ref then rules out the goal because he waited so long in VAR and gives a penalty kick to FC Cincinnati, and it goes 2-1 to New York Red Bulls instead of 3-0. Yeah. Like, that's, like, think about that. Like, we would all, even though it was the right decision, like, it was clear as day at handball, but, like, we'd all lose our collective heads if something stupid like that. And this was just a random MLS game. Yeah, man. Look, we've talked about referee decisions before. Like, it's a hard job, right? It's not It's not an easy job. So, referees are bound to make mistakes. The main issue with VAR is it just compounds those mistakes. And, and I'd be pissed off if I was a Liverpool fan, right? Like, you know, you, they'd... And that was a huge mistake, but they've just taken it to a whole nother level with the conspiracies, with the, with the, you know, Klopp asking for a replay and all these stuff. It's like, do you guys, does Klopp realize like how much, you know, how, yeah. what a precedent that would set? And not only that, but Klopp's a hypocrite because last season he told Mason, the the interim coach for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, stop worrying about the referees and worry about you know should, should you have other things to worry about yeah, worry about worry about your team you know I to me I hate referee talk I, let's just move on because like let's go back, Quang go back to the Wolves game yeah so like Quang, <laughs> <a> yellow card <laughs> that's an obvious second yellow and that's like clear as day the ref gives that yellow if he wasn't already on a yellow and that's what bothers me more than anything is that yeah. refs seemingly and I think it's more un it's, I don't know, I'd say subconsciously, but, like, I feel like there's a standard that a second yellow has to be harder than a first yellow just because they, they you know, it's quote-unquote unfair to send them off. Well, no, it's not. If you get two yellows, you get sent off. That's the rule. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, that's just, that that part really bothers me because that's a clear as day yellow card. If, if he's not on an, a yellow already, the the best um, the best measure to know that Hwang should have been, been should have been sent off is just look at his facial reaction after he done the tackle. 
he knew in his head he's getting sent off. Yep. He actually thought he he goes I'm like he the way he looked up he goes I'm gone, I'm being sent off. It was clear as day a yellow card, and the ref absolutely bottled it. He bottled it, and and like you said because there's, there's this subconscious threshold where referees feel like a player has to hit to hit their second yellow card, which is like you said absurd. Just give him a fucking yellow card. It's like it's like James Milner when we played against Liverpool a couple of years ago, where we had like four yellow card offenses in one game. Yep. Referees absolutely bottle trying to give a second yellow card because they, they feel like they don't want to ruin the game by sending a player off. But you're ruining the game by not sending the player off because you're you know, you're basically cheating the other team out, out of the correct call because you're too you're too afraid to to give that yellow card. I, I reckon if we're playing at home, that's a second yellow card. He would have got it, but because that Wolves home ground and it was a, it was a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of an atmosphere going on there because of Nunes, etc. <clears throat> he absolutely bottled that decision. He should have he definitely should have been on a second yellow card, and the fact that he goes on to score the winner <laughs> makes you even yep. more angry. <laughs> yep. <sighs> well, <laughs> was, was that was that the second that second yellow card should have been? It was after we scored, right? From memory. Yeah, I, I believe it was, it was one one. It was in, but or was it? No, nah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was between. I'm pretty sure it was between when Alvarez scored and then Huang scored. So it was like that eight nine yeah. minute, minute period between the two goals Wait, where he should have. No, been it was in the first half, wasn't it? Oh, okay. So 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 we're still down one nil. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I don't. I can't remember. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to remember right now. But yeah, that to me, that's a that to me is yeah should have been a second uh, card. And I think that's the other thing, too, is when it's earlier in the game, I feel like they're just reluctant to give it, right? Because Huang got a very early yellow card. Mm. Uh, and the, I think they're just reluctant to give two yellows early in the game, which is incredibly annoying. Because if it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. It doesn't matter when it happens. It doesn't matter if it's the first or second yellow. A yellow card is a yellow card. And that was clear as day, a yellow card. Um, yeah, yeah, so I agree. That's annoying, but all right. Since, um, since, since you watched rewatched the game, um, and you said they didn't have much counter attacks and that many chances, did you feel like we were giving up too many uh, transition counter attacks? Though, like in terms of yeah, I, I to me when I like when I was watching the game, I felt like that we just lacked the control, especially after we scored. Like we just allowed Wolves back in the game. It was just like all over the place. I was, I was like, I, I just feel like we had like no control over that over the game, even after we scored. So we, we scored an absolute worldie, by the way. Credit to Alvarez, who's you know doing a lot of that lately. Um, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic goal. But I feel like we're doing that a lot lately, where we're not controlling the game as well. And it was very, and that's probably where where Rodri's would have helped. I feel because you know Wolves just came straight at us. So after we scored. I don't think that. Okay, I think we still controlled the game fairly well, but we created little for ourselves too. Like yeah, we we didn't create one. We definitely didn't. Like create. Normally, when we when we control games, it's like. We're just putting the screws to the other team and we're creating a million chances. And then some of them go in and you can kind of like, you know, close up shop at the game. And they don't really even regardless of how many chances we create, 
they create next to nothing. Um, mm. This was something where they had a couple counterattacks, but really, I they just to me they didn't really create much, and they had some counterattacks, but like, and even I guess for uh, for city standards, it's high, but it really wasn't like this wasn't a it wasn't a basketball game, you know. Um, they still had very little chances. Um, but I think that it's, it's compounded by city creating very little. And that's why it felt more like there was no control. Like, yeah, I think for the most part city controlled their attack or their counterattacks, but City didn't do a very good job of kind of controlling their own attack, which makes it, which kind of compounds how we look at the game because, you know, they have a couple counterattacks that they score on and City create, they don't create a ton of big chances. So it just looks even worse than if City created a ton of big chances and didn't finish them off. And then they have a couple counterattacks. So, yeah, I don't know. Personally, just watching it back, it felt much more controlled on City's end, and as to like the amount of chances they had. Yeah, um, I feel like a little yeah. bit of credit. A little bit of credit will go to Wolves. I think who played, who did play well in terms yeah. of their compactness, their the way they pressured us, etc. They did. Pedro Neto did really well. Neto Neto had Ake on toast. The entire mm-hmm. game, I was like, he's rapid, man. I, I think he's hit one of the top speeds this season as well, like at 30, 36 or 37 kilometers an hour. Um, he's got one of the highest top speeds in the, in, the, in the Premier League right now. So, he's rapid and he took Ake to the cleaners this game. Yeah, he's, very, he's a very good, very good player. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's, you know, something Their that the defenders Premier- were all pretty good as well. Yeah. Yeah, they shot that shit. Like, I think they, one of their defenders did a, I can't remember which, who it was, maybe with Dawson, um, who did basically like a world-class last-ditch slide tackle um, to basically yeah, like from, tap in. From for, the tap in, yeah, mm-hmm. tap in for Harlan. It was a tap in for Harlan that, that yeah. you know. Yeah, and another day that, you know, Harlan's tapping that in and the game completely changes again. But overall, I think we... Like we said earlier, we didn't play our best. There's no way like I can look at that game and say that was Man City football and what we used to. But we're bound to have these type of games over a 38-game season. And we're bound to have, have it when we lose the League Cup. You know, if you lose the League Cup, you got to lose the Premier League game on the weekend. That's just the trend now. <laughs> it happens. Like, yeah, yeah you're just not going to win every game. You know yeah. that. We, like... Look, it's a t- worrying. Yeah, look, a testament to how good we are, and just to put it in context, like we said, since we've started this pod, we started this pod in March 2023. We're October 2023, and this is the first meaningful loss we've had in all competitions since. <laughs> like, just that's, that's the context you've got to put it in. Yeah, that's the context you've got to put it in, right? Like, we, we did lose the Community Shield. No one cares about that. We did lose against Newcastle in the League Cup. Clearly, no one cared about that. But in terms of you know meaningful games, this was basically the first loss that we're actually talking about on this podcast. So that put that into context, and then you realize, like, hey, yeah, things are not so bad. And 
you know, coming into this week. So we did we did beat Leipzig a couple of days yeah, ago. Yeah. So. Talking about a bounce back <laughs> performance. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that was and, fucking and, brilliant. Yeah, man, and and not only that, but like Lewis, <laughs> like <laughs> Rico Lewis, man, what a player. 18 years old and doing doing those things away at a Champions League game in, in the toughest game in the in the in our group away from home, and he just looked I, like a, like a world class midfielder. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. I'm, he's not he's not a right back. Honestly, he's not. He's not really a right no, back. No, no. <laughs> the comparisons to like Joshua Kimmich and like Philip Lam, I think those are the best comparisons for the type of player that Rico Lewis is. He's not a mm. fullback. He's not. And he's, I think, he, you know, he's a little guy. He'll obviously get bigger, but, like, physically, I don't think he's To me, he's not a big enough he, yeah, he's not a fullback. Yeah, he'll play fullback when we're in a we're in a tight thing with, like, injuries or anything like that. But I don't think, you know, like when, when Walker goes, I don't expect him to take Walker's position, basically. You know no, I mean? no, no, no. He's, like... If you think about a full like fullbacks in general, right? If you're not a big like if you're not a physical guy, then you have to have like blistering pace. And he's yeah. quick, but he doesn't have blistering he's not, pace. He's not that quick, yeah. So it's that's fine. He's he's a great midfielder. I think that's where he should be. I think the the thing that I love about Rico, and I guess it also kind of sucks at the same time for me, is that I've seen how good he is already, and it's almost like I take it for granted. Like I do, I do the same thing. Like I'm like, I, yeah, yeah. Rico was brilliant. That that's Rico. You know what I mean? Like, and it's so no, annoying uh, because uh, I uh, want to like marvel in his in his ability at 18. I honestly, when I when I watch him, I I don't just take it for granted, but I find myself more critical of him, even though I shouldn't be. I don't know why, but it's like the kid's 18. And he's, he looks, you know, he looks so good for an 18-year-old. You know, he's playing with basically world-class players around him like Bernardo, you know, Phil Foden, you know, Haaland, Alvarez, you know, players, you know, world-class players that have just won a treble. He just doesn't, he doesn't look out of place at all. It's crazy. But it makes me like a bit more critical of him. I don't know, maybe it's like a psychological thing because he's an academy player and, you know, he basically didn't cost any money or, you know, I don't know what it is, but I find myself more critical of him. And then I'm just like, but he's so good. <laughs> it's crazy. He's just so good. It, it, it's absolutely nuts. But yeah, I, I agree. He's not a fullback. To me, he's a midfielder. So the, the interesting thing, because like, I feel like he's the first person I can really compare to Phil Foden because he's the first one that's like actually part of the team from the academy, right? Like, yes. Yeah getting meaningful minutes and I think will be part of the team for a long time. And so when I look at him and where Foden was at 18, Foden, it was more of he's not ready yet, but you can clearly see like flashes of brilliance, right? Like you can, and he, and he was still brilliant in some games, but you're like, clearly like he, he obviously has some training to do and he, he, he's, He's not at the level he will be, who is, at 18. But you see, like, the flashes of Foden's brilliance, but he still kind of needs to be molded under Pep. Whereas yep. Rico Lewis is, like, is very 
different in his development. Like Rico Lewis looks like he's played under Pap for eight years, and yeah. he, he's, he's like he's he so look tidy already. Especially like in the tight spaces, he's almost like he went to like La Masia and looks like you know Chavi at age twenty two. Where and I think that's that's part of what City has created um, in their academy is the style has been the mold of Pep Guardiola and positional play. And that was less so when Foden was in the academy and more so now. So Rico has kind of known this for years. Like, I think I saw, yeah, there was a stat. He was 12 years old when Pep came to City. So he's like, it's kind of been drilled in him. And you see with Oscar Bob too, like it's been drilled in them from day one so that when they do come up, they look more ready, like they look more tidy in the in the simple things that Pep needs them to do. Whereas Foden, you you just saw like you saw flashes of brilliance, like flashes of something that can make him a generational player. Whereas Rico, it's like he's going to keep improving on that, but he's just so tidy already in the stuff that Pep needs him to do, and that's awesome. Yeah, like if I'm going to be critical about his game, the only thing I can be is just his probably his long crosses because I've I've seen a few of his free kicks, etc. They're not they're not so great, but he's 18. <laughs> like he has, yeah, I'm not going to be he, critical of him. Yeah, like there's so many things he can improve on and get better at, but he will get better at it because he's 18. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you think about it, Foden's what 23 now. So Rico Lewis is five years away from Foden's age right now. Yeah, like, I, when you put it when you put it in that context, you just go, "Ooh, okay, <laughs> he's really young." <laughs> the the way I look at it is, I think he's to me he's like sort of a victim of his own success. Isn't that like when I saw Pep start him last year against Spurs, I thought, mm. "Okay, this guy, this guy's a, he's a member of the first team." Like. He's as good as anyone to play for City. And I think since then, it's been like, I need to kind of remind myself that he's 18 and that he's like where he's coming from rather than like kind of taken for granted. Like, yeah, this guy's a City player. He's good enough to play for City. And it's, it's like I said, a victim of his own success because that's how highly I think of him is that I'm not surprised when he plays this well. And I think I need to, I don't know, like just kind of bask in his development more. Yeah. Look, uh, yeah. And not only that, but like, you got to think about it. We, like we said, we played Leipzig away, which is one of the toughest games in this, in this league. It's the toughest group game that we have. Right. Oh, and like City, we were nearly flawless. Like nearly, yeah, nearly flawless from everyone against the toughest game we'll have in the group stage. And Leipzig, who have been very good recently, like this, it's this is far from an easy game. And Not an easy game, but City the- were like I can't point out a bad performance. What what for me was interesting about Lewis as well starting. So that meant Nunez, Alvarez, Phillips, and Kovacic were all on the bench for Lewis. That's crazy. That's wild. Kind right? of like it's just it's just the fact that he's starting 
a, to me, it's a big game, right? For me, it's like it's considered a big game. What will be interesting is who starts on the weekend versus Arsenal based on who played against Leipzig. Yeah. I, I, Would you be surprised I to see Lewis in the lineup? Play. Wouldn't surprise me, especially how good he was. But I I feel like we will see Kovacic and Nunes, and I yeah. think their ball-carrying abilities will be really important against Arsenal's man-pressing. Because, like, if they you can know, beat one man, and they're yeah. off. Can you not argue that Lewis deserves to start based on this performance? Oh, or like, do you think, if I saw do, Lewis or, or, or in the lineup, you, yeah, or do you I think he's too young? Because I, I feel I feel like Pep does this with with his young players. I mean, he done it with Foden when he was coming up. He'd play him a full ninety, and regardless of how good they were, he'd drop him the next game just for the sake of not not overplaying them. I feel like he does that with our academy players, and especially with you know, Foden. He did like that's just from memory, you know. I remember, you know, when Foto was 19, 20, he'd play a great game and then he wouldn't play the next game. It's like you ease him into the team. And I feel like maybe that's what he, that's what he is gonna do with Lewis. Because Lewis, I, same thing, see last season didn't play that many consecutive games. He did for a small bet, and then yeah. he didn't anymore. Well, I so the way I look at it is I don't think like, it wouldn't surprise me to see Rico play this weekend. Mm. But also, luckily, like, we have more options now because guys are back from injuries. So I think Pep can be a little more picky on how he wants to set up. It'll be more tactical, right? Whereas, you know, in the last couple of weeks, the lineup is more out of necessity than anything else. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, these are the guys we have to play. We don't really have anybody It was else. basically picking itself. Yeah. We, yeah. We've got a so, lot of options again now. It, 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 exactly. It's crazy how, how, how quickly some players come back and suddenly you you go, oh, okay, who are we playing now? We're back to Pep Roulette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that Pep will choose tactically what he thinks is best. And if that's Rico Lewis, then that's Rico Lewis. I, I don't yeah. think he'll just say, you know what, Rico, you're not playing this week just because you played midweek. I think if he thinks that Rico Lewis gives City the best chance to win in that position, then he's going to do it. And, it. and it could very well happen. That I think part of that also rests on John Stones. Um, I, I was surprised John Stones didn't come on this game. I, I thought he'd get 20, 30 minutes at the, end of, at the tail end of the game, but he didn't. So I don't, I yeah, don't think we'll see Stones vs Arsenal again. Probably not, but yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, we're more than capable to beat Arsenal without him. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I love Rico Lewis. I think he's been, yeah, he's been wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So before before we go into the, into talking about Arsenal and, and the Premier League, you know, back back to Leipzig. Foden as well had a had a very very good game in this game. It's crazy. Uh, the two the two young academy players basically were the best two players in this game, right? <laughs> yeah, and what I loved about Foden was um, he played much more like a real central midfielder. Like he came deeper to link the play a little too, which was mm-hmm. really nice. Um, I liked him on the left hand side because. We generally don't see him on the left side of midfield, like central midfield, but on the left-hand side. Generally, he's in central midfield on the right-hand side. 
Um, it's because of Alvarez thought, being playing. Yeah, Alvarez kind of plays on both. To mm. Kovacic normally plays on the left hand side um, as well. So it they they all kind of switch around. Alvarez generally when it's Foden and Alvarez behind Holland, mm. it's Alvarez on the left hand side. What I really liked is the partnership that him and Grealish have. I, I think they their their skill sets work really well together. I tweeted about it during the game because like Grealish can come inside and Foden can go wide, and it's it's fairly natural, right? And then Foden can make those runs in behind, and Grealish can kind of put him through, and, and it happened on the other side with Bernardo and Rico Lewis. That's how the goal was scored. Um, and I like that because then you have somebody, you have a midfielder, making that run in behind, like kind of down the channel Mm. and they're on their strong foot to put the ball in the box and they can kind of pick out, pick out a ball. And that's exactly how Foden scored. And you have that on the other side with Grealish where Grealish kind of has his man stood up. We we know he's not like, you know, he's not Jeremy Doku and he's not just going to rinse somebody every single time he touches the ball, but He's a good playmaker and he's a very good passer. And so when Foden makes that run, if it's on, Grealish will place it. And then you have Foden in behind on his left foot, which is scary, right? So I like that partnership. And then Grealish can kind of cut inside and then Foden can overlap. Like the just their skill sets and both of them on the left hand side, I think works really, really well together. And yeah. that was fun to watch at Leipzig. Yeah, and I feel like we we were a lot better this game in creating chances. When you compare it to the Wolves game, <laughs> you know, I think we yeah. created like two and a half XG, maybe three XG this game. Yeah, um, and they have like point two or something. Yeah, we yeah, and the goal that they scored was a was a really good finish by the player. So one of those counter attacks that happens. Um, I think it was a mistake uh, from someone. I can't remember who that led to the counter attack, but it. It's got to happen in, in these games, you know. We're in a it's a tough away game, you know. Leipzig is not not some team that are, that are mugs, you know. You, they took us they took us to a a difficult away game last season. It was one all, so they're not they're they're not. Yeah, you, know, you expect to concede a few chances against a team like Leipzig. So, but the fact the the thing that impressed me is how many chances we were creating. And another day, we could easily score a lot more. And that's 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 what's important to me when I watch City. It's like you met, you're actually playing well, not just you know the Wolves game. You look at it and you go, Ugh. <laughs> it's one of those games. You just go, Ugh. <laughs> we play another hour, we probably wouldn't score. You know, it's one of those games. Um, but this this game definitely looked a lot lot better, a lot lot better. That, yeah, that's what's 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 so important to me, especially going to this Arsenal game on the weekend. Yeah, and City, we were just very dominant from the very beginning. Like, they, I'd say there's like a little 10 to 15 minute stretch where Leipzig, I guess, had a little more foothold in the game than they did previously. But like you said, like, Leipzig's no shit team. They're a legitimately very good team. And Mm -hmm. for City to, dominate them in the way that they did is is absolutely impressive. I think Pep said it after the game when he said everyone was brilliant today. He, he essentially said that. And yeah. yeah, I agree with him. Everyone was brilliant. Guardiola too. I think we just kind of I think he's another person we sort of take for granted just because 
He's so City. good. <laughs> well, that and City's defense was so good last year. We just don't really think about him, right? But he's like Ake's been amazing, and he's basically splitting time with Ake in that role. And oh, they're they're definitely splitting it. <laughs> and he's maybe our best center back, like or close to it. And he's twenty one years old. Like this guy is a generational player like he he just glides through people like he just it's weird because normally when you see center backs kind of like make those runs inside where they dribble past a couple people and then you think oh he's just gonna lose the ball here he's way out of his element and he's just gonna lose it like ruben diaz that's happened to a couple times yeah but um him he looks so comfortable like he just runs right through and it looks natural yeah, so it's it's yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. With with how the game went, you know, I kind of would have been happy with the one one or draw. It's just one of those games. It's like it's it's fine because it's you know, I wouldn't feel anxiety from a one or draw this early in the Champions League group stages, you know. We'd we'd probably win at the Etihad later anyway. And we should be winning this group comfortably, but you know, winning the first two games, especially Leipzig away, kind of does help a lot in terms of setting up dead rubbers right at the end. And I think we're going to need those dead rubbers right at the end. <laughs> We've got a very tough stretch of games coming up, um, both Champions League and Premier League. I think that we've got a really rough schedule. Um, but the two goals, so first Alvarez, absolutely brilliant goal. <laughs> you know, what, what's crazy about Alvarez is he just has an absolute... He's just naturally talented in terms of scoring these, you know, what I call wonder goals, right? Like Galazzo's. He's so good at them. He's he's taken that over from Kevin De Bruyne, really. Yeah, like man. He's, he's provided that in the squad. I think we talked about it a week or two ago. Like, yeah. He's the guy in the squad that can just score a banger every week. Out of nowhere. And out we missed that yeah. from Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. What's going to be crazy is when Kevin De Bruyne is back. And if you have Alvarez, Kevin De Bruyne, and Haaland all on the, same, on the field at the same time, that is a lot of threat that teams have to worry about from anywhere on the pitch. What what I loved about Alvarez's goal too is Doku, his decision making. If you see him, like oh yeah, perfect, perfect, wide left, he gets triple team. Like two guys come over to help, and he just splits them. And that's why Alvarez is wide open at the edge of the box for that goal. And it's like back to what we've been talking about. Doku's decision-making has just been perfect so far. And like when to kind of, when to skin your man, when to go outside, when to go inside, that kind of stuff. Like that was just, it was perfect. Like, well, I well, think it's just part of him. Like that's just yeah. how he plays. And, and, and something to note about the Doku goal, although it was like a, for a lot of people, it was a footnote uh, in a, you know, and like a last-minute counterattack to, to close off the game. But what what's impressive for me is Doku's, um, you know, what you call a bit of under pressure. You know, you you, t- you can tell a lot about a player in a one v one situation how composed they are. And it was, Doku, it was so Doku calm. was so calm, so composed. You know, slight sides foot straight into the back of the net in the bottom corner. And that tells you a lot about 
Doku himself and how composed and calm he is and how good his decision-making is. And that's something good for the future because for him to be doing that, he's only, you know, we talk about Lewis and Foden and, and you know, those type of players being really young. Doku's very young and raw. He's, what, 21 now? Mm-hmm. So, so for him to have that composure is a very, very good sign of what he's going to give us in the future from that wing spot and from and from and from a from a goal threat perspective right so you know he does a lot of good decisions in terms of dribbling in terms of passing but when it comes to get a, when it comes to you know getting those opportunities to score goals we know he's going to be composed on the ball in, in those 1v1s because players will get 1v1s you know it's going to happen when when teams have to come out at us to try get an equalizer or try score a goal especially in the Champions League We've got to have players like Doku, Alvarez, Haaland in 1v1 situations to to close off games, essentially. And to have a player like like Doku, who seems very composed, is a very good sign. Very, very good sign. I, I, I get more and more happy about this signing the more I see him. So it's been a fantastic signing already, which is crazy to say, you know, because generally we say, you know, pep wingers, etc., need time. Doku doesn't need time at all. He's just fitting straight in. There's a lot of people already calling for him to, you know, basically have the starting spot. And I think it's good to have that pressure on, on you know, the traditional wingers that we have like Bernardo and, and Grealish, you know, to have Doku in, applying that pressure game in, game out now that they need to perform and they need to provide with them, they need to provide assist, they need to provide goals. Is The only thing you can say is good for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I think what I loved about Doku's goal too was the Alvarez pass was perfect in that like it was far enough away so that the defender couldn't intercept it and he got it right onto Doku's feet, just let Doku run onto it. And then, yeah, like the finish was so calm. And when you've seen it, when you've been scarred by how many missed (laughs) one-on-ones we've had from Gabriel Jesus and Sterling in the past and – I love those guys. They were great players for City, but one-on-ones, yeah. like they were not, <laughs> their composure in one-on-ones were not great. And we all yeah. know that. And I, I, I didn't want to, I just looked so calm. <laughs> I didn't want to bring him up, but that's, that's what I was alluding to essentially. <laughs> but he just like, he, it's not even that like, and I know Jesus and Sterling have finished one-on-ones before. Like, please don't tweet at me. I know. But even when they finished it, it never looked calm. Right? Nah, it like, didn't. It never looked calm. <laughs> he looked that, like that was he, the thing. That was the thing. It never looked calm. He looked like he just passed it right by the keeper. Like it was just no big deal. And yeah. it was, yeah, with him, with Alvarez, with Holland, it's, it's like, that's why we get so shocked I, when we miss a million chances. I feel like before we just kind of, assume that we had to create a million chances because we were going to miss some. Yeah. Which, yeah, exactly right. And the same thing with Haaland. Haaland has these high expectations of him because he set such a high bar last season. And now that he's missing chances, it's like, oh, Haaland's, like I've, I've heard things like Haaland's not playing well and Haaland's been shit. And I've just had all these things like, it's like, come on, man. The guy just set such a high bar that, him coming down a slight little bit is like is not me. No, I mean he has missed. Either. He has missed a lot of easy chances yeah. the last couple of weeks. 
But guess what? He still has more goals than Manchester United. So, <laughs> oh, God. With, with all of that, like, a lot of those goals he should be putting away. And they're like, any striker should be putting them away. It's not like none of them were tough. He knows that. He doesn't need us to tell him that, like, those are some sitters that he's been missing. There was one in the Leipzig <laughs> game. But let's put it into context. Like, it's, like, like I just said. He scored more goals than Manchester United. So, you know, exactly. I'll take that. Exactly. Take that. Exactly. And look, and and there's a high chance that um, that Haaland might be signing a new contract as well. So, you know, he's not going to leave anytime soon, guys. <laughs> and his, his quotes, his quotes were pretty, were pretty well, um, pretty well said as well in terms of, you know, he said teams are playing me differently now. This is a quote just released recently. He said, teams are playing me differently now, but it's okay. I'll adjust. And if when teams focus on me, it means, you know, other players got to, other players are basically free. Um, I know, I know you got to go soon. So we'll try to wrap up, but just quickly, let's go into the, into a bit of Arsenal. How are you feeling about the yeah. game? I feel okay. You know, no, Rodri still has me nervous, but I think that, Kovacic will probably definitely play. Um, Nunez maybe as well. And I think they're just going to have much better games. I would really like to see Bernardo play as well. But who knows? I think I think Bernardo definitely plays. Yeah. So uh, regardless, I think it's going to be a much better game by everyone. I, you know, we still have more than a good enough team to go to the Emirates and at least get a point, right? Like, I, I'd be even okay with a draw. It's early enough in the season. But to go there, and also, if City were to go there and win, that's just fucking demoralizing for Arsenal. Arsenal yeah. That maybe, like, City missing Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri and still beat Arsenal at Arsenal, like, that would be demoralizing for them. So, that would be yeah. fun. Um, they're they're, they're uh, most likely going to yeah. be missing two two key players as well in Martinelli and Saka. So for me, there's no excuse maybe Saka. I I feel like even if Saka does play, he's not going to be a hundred percent. And Arteta's crazy if he plays him. Um, but to me, we we shouldn't, you know, regardless of Rodri being missing, we shouldn't be using that as an excuse for you know not winning this game. I, like you, like you said, as well, I'll take a draw. I'll, I'll be happy with a draw. A one-all draw is not the worst, not the worst thing um, away at a at a top top club. So oh, that's going to be competing with us for the rest of the season. So I'll take a draw, but a, a win would be nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also nice. like, also I wouldn't let the the Wolves result affect how you see this game because like Arsenal is not going to be parking the bus, you know, like hundred percent. They're yeah. so. You know, come we might we might miss Rodri. I'm sure we will, but we're not going to be parking the bus. So if Kovacic or Nunez or Rico Lewis or whoever's playing in midfield, if they're tidy, City have as good a chance of as any to still get points. Yeah, like it, that, I don't think Rodri is. Although Rodri is amazing, I don't think he's. Like we can't win without him. 
I, I don't think that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, it's going to be, you know, and it's kind of why I wanted to go into this game with seven wins out of seven. <laughs> me, me being greedy. Um, but if we if we're winning this game four points up, basically the result becomes even harder for Arsenal. Where it's like they have to win. But now for them, a draw is not the end of the world either. You know, they're still close enough. They're, they're within striking distance. But, you know, if we, if we were 21 out of 21 points and then we go and beat them, that put a seven-point gap <laughs> this early into the season. Is, that would be demoralizing for them. That would be, they would just, like, literally give up on the title race. Like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> um, but, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, Arsenal, basically, we've beat them 11 games in a row, by the way, in the Premier League. So, Wow. Yeah. And that's surprising because they've played us really well. They have. They have. There's been a few games where we've been lucky with Rodri, like that last minute winner. We've had a few tight games, um, re- especially recently. Even last season when we went to the Emirates, wasn't wasn't as clear cut. We did win 3-1, but it wasn't as clear we cut. Had, you know? We had like 35% possession. Like <laughs> yeah, We were yeah, playing exactly. counter-attacking football. Yeah. We might do the same with this game, you know, sit back, absorb a bit of pressure. Yeah. And just let Haaland and and potentially Alvarez and Foden and Doku just run at him on, on the counter-attack. And, you know, Arsenal's d- defensive stability hasn't been as good, especially at home. You know, they've considered a f- they're considering a fair bit of goals at home, um, especially on the counter-attack. So, they're not, they're not in the best of form in, the, in that back line. So, <laughs> maybe Pep does the same thing that he did last season. Play him on the counter, just let Haaland run at him, and that will just terrify them. Yeah, Holland and Alvarez, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun game. And regardless of the result, it's so early in the season, it really doesn't matter. You know, when, when we've been missing plays almost all season and to go into this game, basically with 18 out of 21 points is still fantastic. So, but, you know, we're at the ho- home stretch of, of important games right now. So, let's see how we go. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, it was a nice weekly one. We'll try to get the next one to you a little earlier. Our schedules have been um, just kind of crazy this week. So yeah, um, we'll try <laughs> to get the next one to you a little earlier. Do we? Because it's the international break after this match anyway. So um, yeah. we'll have plenty of time <laughs> yeah. to digest. Plen- <laughs> plenty of time. Let's go beat Arsenal. All right, guys. Catch you guys later.